You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Stayed on side. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot trapped is in the corner of the ring. All right, here we go. Episode 46 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon, at B McCarthy 95, at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNet. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card. From Nate Diaz to Michael Chandler, there will be no shortage of action. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds. One fighter will be walking away with the belts. Will you be walking away with the cash? Just pick the main fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right. Bet $1 on the select fighter, and if they win, you will win $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can now deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on the main card fighter to win. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters. Only for a limited time at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Brendan, I missed you last episode. Happy to be back with you again. Uh, happy Sunday, brother. Happy Sunday, Kenny, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, especially uh, Miss Stapon and Mrs. McCarthy. Mrs. Nixon, actually. She Mrs. Nixon, her, uh, she, pardon yeah, she me. She kept her uh, maiden name. Sorry for being presumptuous. 
No, no, no worries. Yeah, a big, big, big happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, I'm particularly close with my mother. I know you are as well. Uh, looking forward to a little Zoom chat, which is a little bit less uh, less exciting than what we've gotten up to in past years. But uh, the situation at least is looking up in Toronto now. A lot of people are getting vaccinated. Speaking of which, uh, congratulations. You got your first one, correct? This week, I will be getting jabbed. So I'm I'm eager to get that done, but I have it Very booked good. and ready to go, buddy. So I'm I'm set and ready to take on the next step here. I was actually doing a little uh, a little surveying, be actually just in my bed, one of those just like rolled over on your side, scrolling through your phone, and looking back in in the year that was in 2000, the last time the Leafs clinched a division title, 99 2000. So Destiny's Child was heating up the charts. So was Eminem. Everyone was obsessed with that my snake man. game, the note on that Nokia little uh crappy phone the snake game i didn't even have it i was just looking i was curious and what was it oh yeah brad pitt and and, and uh jennifer anderson was just dominating the headlines so a lot has changed in 21 years kenny but uh i know we always say it, it's it's not about this you know regular season feats can just be buried at this point but it is a historic milestone milestone 21 years since their last division title clinch so cool accomplishment Mac, when they last won the division, I was going into fourth grade. Crazy. I was five. I was five <laughs> years old. I would, I would have been nine years old, uh, turning 10 years old that year. Like, I, it's so hard to believe. I didn't even realize that it had been that long. Like, I know this team has been underachieving for quite some time, but 21 years since their last division win, obviously a historic achievement with their win over Montreal, a comeback win. Nonetheless, against their uh, division rival, one of their most passionate rivals. So that makes it mean all that much more. BMAC, I saw a statistic that it's like one in the last 21 years seemed like that was, you know, a long time. This was only the second time in the last 82 years, I believe, that the NHLPR tweeted out that the Maple Leafs have won the division. That basically means that they years, though. Uh, that that threw you for a loop, eh? It threw me for a loop. I was like, okay, years? like that's you just, just... like I, do. You, do you know how like eighty two years ago, basically like World War Two was still going yep. on? Yeah, like that's insane to me to think about the fact that this team has only won the division twice. Yep, in that amount of time. And <laughs> to be honest, like <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, oh no, I don't think any other fan base realize that like we always talk about how the easy chirp for maple leaf fans is oh 1967 or how about you win a playoff round well how about you win the division more than once in 82 years of your existence yeah like that more than twice rather uh, that's that was just crazy to me I'm, it was I'm still, I'm still a little bit blown away by it to be honest i was kind of thinking about you know everyone is just saying how the scotia north is trash which is ridiculous because it's still a, a pretty tough division. But for the Leafs, it's almost like, you know, when in high school, when you used to kind of like just dummy your local schools and like you felt like you were the best team there was. And oh, yeah. then you do that like out of town <laughs> or out of province tournament. I think that's what it's going to be like for the Leafs. Like they'll, they'll dummy the, the first two rounds. Like I don't see the, I don't see them losing. And then it's going to be like, remember CISA? I don't know. That's what we called it. And uh, that was like the high school name for the for the province province wide tournament. Or countrywide tournament, pardon me. Yeah, ours was like, um, we had the SWC, which was like our conference tournament, which we just used to wipe the floor with. 
and then we go to the like division or like the state championships. Yeah, but it's going to be kind of like was, a wake up. That was call. where it's way difficult because you'd end up like we'd be a D two team and we'd yeah. often qualify for the D three tournament. And it's like you'd be playing against. Like, I don't even know why they did different divisions for the tournament. It was so bizarre. Because we'd be playing in the D2 tournament, and we'd be playing against, like, crappy D1 teams and, like, pretty good D2 teams. And the D3 teams, like, weren't even close to qualifying. Yeah. But so it, it was just, just like, yeah, it was so bizarre. It, it's amazing to see. But I feel like it's going to be like that because you just get all confident. And you're like, oh, here's, like, you know, some random team, you know, that's, like, dummying the country. And they have like all guys over six foot, and you just get swamped like seven two or something. I'm speaking in in, in hockey terms, uh, in terms yeah. of like playing these games. But I think that's what the Leafs are going to kind of fall into. Like you know, it's it's a tough division, the Scotia North, but they are the best team in the Scotia North, and they should be able to get out there, get out of it unscathed, and then the real work begins, Kenny. And let's not pretend that. Like, all the divisions are tough. It's NHL competition. We talk about this all the time. It's not as if, you know, there's going to be any pushover games. Even look at the run that Ottawa has been on of late. Their record in the last 10 is the best of any team in the Scotiabank North Division. Like, they've been on a heater. It's too little too late for them, obviously. They're still, it's basically a foregone conclusion, depending on what the Canucks do the rest of the way, that they're going to finish in the basement. But certainly, the future looks bright for them. But let's not compare, like, the strength of the, the the division. Like, when you look at, like, for example, the East Division, it's like the top four teams over there are all wagons. It's like you got all the Caps, you got the Pens, you got the Bruins, and you got the Islanders. And you could see anybody coming out of that one. The difference for the Scotia North is, like, I'm, I tend to be in the campus with you. It looks like they're going to get Montreal in the first rounds, that's basically pencil it in. Like just need a, a couple more results to lock in the standings in the division, uh, Edmonton, Winnipeg, like, I, like it looks like they're going to be locked in in the first round as well. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion because you, we've seen it before in the playoffs that an underdog could give Toronto a run for their money. Uh, we saw what happened with Montreal last year. Do I think that they're an inferior team? Yes. I believe the season series was uh seven, two and one in favor of the Maple Leafs uh, winning that series against Montreal. So obviously they've had the Habs number of late. I think that bodes well for them entering this series, but Montreal's a, t- a tough nosed team. They've got big defensemen. They've got physical defensemen. They play a gritty style up front. If they can get healthy and their netminder can round back into form, then anything can happen. So I don't want to just look past Montreal, but I do think, think that this is probably the best chance entering the postseason that I feel Toronto has to advance to the uh, final four, we'll call it. I like, I, I still don't know even what the official name is. It's not the conference finals. Yeah, I just, I just love calling it the finals. final four. Yeah, the final four. The but, final four. It gives a NCAA feel. You know, and interesting to see, too. I mean, the, the Leafs uh, have lost a, a few bodies, uh, in particular Nick Foligno and Zach Hyman, but they're expected to be back for the playoffs. But you look at Montreal and they're just – facing a litany of injuries but you know it, it must be very very difficult at this point for Sheldon Keefe when he's trying to mold together lines we know that the fixture in the top four you got Matthews Marner X and then Tavares Nylander X so that still needs to be decided but for you Kenny considering that there's these depth pieces that are performing so well like Adam Brooks like Pierre Engvall who has I think goals in his last four games yeah, who, who would you like sure to see straight. who would you like to see be that like dark horse pick that can slide in he's earned a spot 
when healthy because there's going to be room for one i believe one or two it's difficult like and i was talking to rachel about this in the last podcast where you weren't able to join uh, load management who's going, to, who's going to be the odd man out um she seemed to believe that would be alex kerfoot i uh, seemed to like mikhaev's game as far as uh the analytics on the ice and his ability to kill penalties um, so she's had Kerfa as the odd man out. I really got to be honest. This is not a decision that I envy Sheldon, Sheldon Key for having to make. Although uh, I've seen people on Twitter call it uh, a bountiful amount of riches for Sheldon Keefe to pick the bottom six. I think you'd rather have a defined bottom six. Because when you look at, you know, is Riley Nash going to slot in? Certainly you think that he's one of the best defensive forwards in the league. So you'd like to get him into the lineup. And then you get Hyman and Foligno. Where do you put them? If you put them in the top two, then it's sort of like, well, then do you keep Mikheyev? Then do you put Engvall? All of a sudden, it gets starts getting very tight. Uh, Jumbo Joe, I didn't realize either, has been quietly effective on the point sheet as well, entering the game against Montreal last night, an eight-game point streak. So he's playing good hockey. He's contributing on the score sheet. Do you Are you going to pull him out of the lineup? Not likely. Uh, Jason Spezza, another veteran who has been very effective this year. Wayne Simmons, um, we've noted often, um, the effect of his game and the effect of him being in the lineup and bringing that sort of physicality. You saw him and Josh Anderson, you know, going toe to toe last night. He's a guy that's going to keep Anderson from running rickshaw over the Leafs. And I, by the way, I loved the hit by Ben Hutton on Josh Anderson and not to bury the lead either. I would thought that this was a very impressive win for the Leafs last night to battle down from two nothing to then get the win 3-2 to two and shut it down after they got the lead. And I was impressed by Jack Campbell's game. He gives up the soft one to Nick Suzuki, and then he's able to bounce back and shut the door for the rest of the game. Uh, we've talked about this frequently and often, how Campbell can often give up the soft one, but then he just slams the door and gives his team an opportunity to crawl back into the game. So uh, it's going to be difficult for Sheldon Keefe to make these decisions particularly when it comes to the depth pieces of who's going to stay in and who's going to come out, because I think that Engvall certainly made a case to stay in the lineup. I think that Brooks has certainly looked effective playing alongside Jason Spezza and Joe Thornton. And eventually, you know, some of these guys are going to have to get the plug or get the plug pulled out on them. And I suspect that would be the younger players before it's the savvy veterans that they brought in this offseason. Right. And just on the note of, of Jack Campbell, Ken, he's really now adopted a bit of consistency to his game. Like it, it's well documented. We talked about it, that he's an emotional goaltender. He gets down on himself. It affects his play. And luckily for Campbell, he's always had a, a consistent uh, forward group up front. I mean, it, I was thinking last night watching him that the least currently right now, they'll, they'll give you three or four goals. But at some point, it's like Campbell, you, you have to make a, a flurry of stops here. To help your team, right? If you were to if you were to place like Campbell in I don't know Minnesota or or Florida or something, right? Like I don't know if he would perform that well. My point is that Campbell has had the luxury of having a good offense and a, an offense that could maybe win you a game in an otherwise poor performance by you. Now, in the last week and a half, I think Campbell has really found his game and really coming for that number one spot because Frederick Anderson, as Kristen Shilton mentioned on a previous pod was likely going to get a AHL conditioning stint. He did, and he has not looked good, Kenny. I believe he gave up uh, the uh, first shot, first goal yesterday, and he's been giving up weak goals to AHL affiliates. He hasn't looked that strong. He hasn't looked that poised. I haven't had a chance to listen to his uh, his post-game clips to see how he feels, you know, comfortability-wise, but 
it's uh, it certainly seems like right now Campbell is is coming for the number one goalie spot. He's locked in at this point. Like you aren't going to bring in Anderson into this situation until you know, either it's you know you get a couple soft games from Campbell, or you know you can see him have some success at the AHL. Uh, we've talked about it. It's basically impossible. I don't even know why anybody's talking about. It. Like, oh, yeah, well, let's try to get Anderson one or two NHL season starts before the end of the year. Stop it. Stop it right now. Because it's not, it, you, it's, the cap doesn't work that way. You can't just decide you want to add an extra five million bucks to your cap during the regular season after you put a player on the long-term injury reserve and just bring him back just because it's convenient for you now. Kyle Dubas and Brandon Pridham understood exactly what they were doing when they placed Frederick Anderson on the LTIR to bring in the likes of Nick Foligno, to bring in the likes of Riley Nash, to bring in the likes of Ben Hutton, uh, whoever else you want to put on the list, all their trade deadline acquisitions. They knew what they were doing. They were basically hedging their bets, saying we're going to limp to the end with David Riddich and Jack Campbell, regardless, even if we give up you know, space in the north based off of shoddy goaltending play. We're confident that if we can get into the playoffs, Jack Campbell can start for us, and then if we need to, we can go to Anderson. Now the plan is rounding into form, and they're going to try to get Anderson, I would think, uh, several more starts with the Marlies to try to beef up this conditioning stint, to try to get him confident in his game, because you're right, he hasn't looked good, BMAC. Yesterday he gave up uh, four goals, um, I believe it was 38 shots, 34 saves. Uh, they lose in the shootouts to the Manitoba Moose, whatever. you know, Shit happens in the shootout. It's not as if like, I'm going to blame Anderson for giving up some goals on a breakaways to like, you know top prospects like Cole Perfetti. But he the expectation is that as an NHL netminder, you should be able to play at an elite level. Now, granted, he's got to shake the rust off, but it certainly seems to me at this point it's a foregone conclusion that's going to be Jack Campbell's net in game one. Unless Jack Campbell struggles for multiple games in a row, then Anderson won't be sniffing the net. Having said that, I'm still likely more comfortable if you can get Anderson some conditioning stints, having him on the bench as the backup, than I would be in Michael Hutchinson or David Riddich playing that role for the Leafs come postseason time. And it would be a, a sulky mood uh, for, for Anderson, but imagine saying you can roll out Anderson in relief. Like that, yeah, so that he's a better backup. That bodes well for the he's playoffs. A better established goaltender than Riddich or Hutch. Like, yeah, absolutely. <sighs> yeah, sorry, I got a little bit heated there, <laughs> to be honest. But it, it's like, I just for the life of me, Brendan, I can't figure out why people are pretending like we're going to be able to squeeze in a start for Frederick Anderson before the end of the season. I just think it's asinine. People don't understand the way that the cap works, and they're going to have to, you know, take their medicine right now by watching Anderson struggle in the minors because it seems like he's certainly a goaltender that's lost his confidence a little bit. Well. Then the same can be said about Riley Nash, right? I know his his contract may maybe won't affect the team as much, but let's not like let's not assume that Riley Nash is going to just take over the fourth line center role. I mean, has he he hasn't even really melded with the team? I think he's had like I, I could count the number of practices he's had on my hand. I I, I I don't see him like ready to go. So let's not assume Riley Nash is the savior for a, a you know to, to fix up the the uh, the center depth. No, I agree. I mean, like, but that's been going on as well. It's like it's not. Do you think Keith's just going to slide him in? Like, yeah, he's had a practice with the guys. He's watched some tape. He's good to go for the playoffs. Like, no. Like, that's where I'm like, why would you want to take out Alex Kerfoot? That just completely depletes your center depth. And he's a considerable center in the bottom six. So, 
I, I don't think that would be a guy you want to lift. But I, I'll just go back to the, to the to the point I was making about Engvall. I think he he is the guy. There's probably about four or five guys fighting for spots for that bottom six. I think he's got to be the guy who comes out on top. And if that is the case, I think you got to eliminate Mikheyev, who early in the season, me especially, was really pumping this guy's tires. But every game, I think. Out of all 55 or 54 games the Leafs have played this year, I've watched probably 40 in full, and we've mentioned it. He just—he's not—he's not that good. He's really not that good. I think, like to put it in simple terms, Engvall is a better hockey player than Ilya Mikheyev, and I think he deserves more of a shot than than he does. I think that Engvall has made an impact on the lineup recently, and it's yeah. going to make it difficult on Sheldon Keefe trying to figure out who he's going to yank. Uh, like I said, I don't envy him. Moving down the road here, it's nice to have options, but if you ask the general manager, if you ask the head coach, they'd much rather have a solidified bottom six rather than this rotating door cast of characters who they're unsure who would be in the lineup come game one of the postseason. Let's move to around the league. So probably we buried the lead here, but this is a Maple Leafs podcast, so I don't feel bad about that. Connor McDavid gets... 100 points in 53 games. The, what, what else can you say about this? An outstanding achievement. Uh, I saw one tweet this morning that suggested with, I believe it was with 41 games to play, Connor McDavid had 49 points, or uh, 69 points rather, not 49. That would be insane to get that many points over his last uh, 10 games. But basically, like this guy has been on a three-point-per-game pace over the last 10 or 11 games to chase 100 an outstanding achievement for McDavid and it's incredible to be honest I would have never foreseen this coming despite the fact that he's one of the most dominant players in the league I would have never seen any player getting to uh, the triple digit mark on this shortened season yeah I've had the pleasure quote-unquote pleasure of, of watching some of his, of his post-game pressures and he, he is a lethargic a guy player. he doesn't give you much but he's like yeah <laughs> it's just a number meanwhile he's entering Saturday with 96 points and it's just as, like an assumption he's going to get four assists like as you said he's been averaging three or four points per game in the last 10 games like he, he knew he, he was fired up to like he, he wasn't leaving were, were they in Vancouver last night forgot uh, I forgot who yeah playing. well whatever he wasn't leaving the arena w- without like make like establishing the record it's crazy Vancouver, yeah it's crazy man mr 100 no, congratulations it, like there's nothing more to be said and you know this has naturally led to the conversation um because austin matthews again i didn't bring this up intentionally in the first segment because i wanted to bring up this comparison and get your thoughts on this austin matthews scores 40 goals in 49 games an equally impressive achievement uh He's on a ridiculous pace. Uh, I had mentioned in the prior pod, he basically would shatter Rick Five's record, which I believe he scored 54 or 55 goals in an 82-game season. Uh, Matthews would be on pace to destroy that record this year. I think he's on pace for like 65 goals in an 82-game season. An absolutely outstanding achievement for Matthews. Solidified himself as the number one scorer in the league. I think that goes without saying. Which achievement to you is more impressive? I'm going to say the latter because since 2016-2017, Matthews has dummied the league in even strength goals. So this is not a fluke. And it's 40 goals in 49 goddamn games. No empty netters. 
You think about guys no who, who empty get netters. no empty netters. You think about guys who, who get like 20 goals, 30 goals, like, oh, yeah, but like five or seven were empty netters. It's like, oh, okay, they're out there. There you go around for their cookies. Exactly. With 90 seconds left in the game. They're saying, coach, put me out there with the one goal lead. And they are sniffing around trying to get that empty net goal because they know that that can sometimes be the difference of a couple million bucks on your contract at the end of the year. Matthews has scored none. Zero. No empty netters. That, that's, Zero. that's absurd to me. And you think of all the 40 goals, I'd say, what, 33 to 34 were snipes and like, a, you know, more than a dozen were highlight reels. Like some were tippins, right? Like some you'll take. It's like, great. Cash it in. Thank you. But it, like none of them were garbage goals. Like none of them were fluke goals. Let's be honest. So as much as the, the I guess it wasn't really a record for, for McDavid. I said record, but the defeat for, for McDavid is sensational. Like it's going to dominate headlines. It's Connor McDavid. It's 100 points in 53 games. I'm just saying, and obviously we're, we're, we're biased because we're, we're Leaf fanatics. It's more impressive to me, Matthews, 40 goals in 49 games because he had no empty netters. No freaking empty netters. Yeah, Not one that's, a, that's absurd to me. I'll tell you why Matthews is impressive to me before I tell you why I think that McConnor McDavid's achievement is more impressive than that of Matthews. Uh, let's not forget the awesome Matthews was dealing with a wrist injury for exactly. a large part of this season. And he still managed to score 40 and 49 games with a bum Good wrist. Point. Good like, point. Can you imagine if he was healthy for the whole season? Like, was he going to be then if he is he going to be on a goal per game pace? Like, I'm it was insane watching this guy this year. He scores with such ease. I think this is what differentiates Toronto from other teams in the North Division, probably outside of Edmonton. When you have a generational talent at center who can give you an easy goal, like an easy one, like sometimes he just goes out there and, you know, he just the puck finds a stick and then bang, it's in the back of the net. No problem. And I think that makes it's the job of the team so much easier because sometimes it's like you can be out there, you can be grinding, you can be you know winning one-on-one puck battles in the corner, you can be trying to get shots through traffic from the point, and you have a hot goaltender, and you just need that guy to you know put one in the back of the net to get your team confidence back. Matthews has been that guy for the Leafs this year. He's made it look so easy, an outstanding accomplishment, not taking anything away from him. I do think 100 points, though, in this shortened season is the more impressive achievement. It, it's just been outstanding to watch McDavid dominate the North Division. I saw a statistic saying that, you know, people often talk about Nate McKinnon as being in the conversation for the best player in the world, particularly after the playoff run last year. Everybody was saying, oh, McKinnon's coming for McDavid's mantle. If McDavid didn't score a goal this year, or if none of his goals counted on his t- point total, he would still have more points than McKinnon. Like, he's been that good for the Oilers this year and that dominant. Uh, quietly, he's also second in the league in goals to your boy Matthews. So it's not as if he's, you know, just a slouch as far as that concern is concerned. I heard a lot of conversations this week, and it's very true. It's like when you think of the best goal scorers in the league right now, Connor McDavid likely wouldn't be one of the first guys that you would mention. You go Matthews, you go David Pasternak, you go Alex Ovechkin, and you think of him as more as a playmaker, right? Well, he's second in the league in goals, and he's also been dominating the league in that aspect, putting the puck in the back of the net at a very impressive clip. I think the 100 points, you have to give the nod to McDavid, but that doesn't take anything away from Matthew's accomplishment of scoring 
40 goals in 49 games. Uh, two generational talents that we've been privileged to watch on the Canadian stage this season. So six, seven months ago, John Tortorella was licking his chops after knocking off the Leafs in five. And now Torts wants out of Columbus, which, you know what? <laughs> Whatever, man. Like, at this it's, point, uh, like... It's time for both of them. I think it's it, just a split. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's just respectfully, like, thank you. It didn't work out. Last year was a nice run to knock off the high-flying Leafs. But, yeah, I think Torts is uh, Torts is probably going to go to the library bar or some equivalent, for sure. I got someone else at the bar this week, though. His His message certainly is one of those that can get stale. I think yes, it's certainly God gotten stale in Columbus. Like you can tell that's the moves that the general manager have made to try to improve his roster. It doesn't seem like Tortorella is really jiving with those players either. I believe his contract is up at the end of this year. So I think it's just a situation where Yarmo Kekalainen and John Tortorella just both say, Hey, thanks for the opportunity, but see you later. And then they Torts can get on his horse and ride off into the sunset and He'll still coach in the NHL again, I think. He's uh, had a ton of success. <laughs> yeah. We, we know how how much NHL teams just like hiring the other guy from the franchise across the street after they walk away from their coach. Yeah. I mean, look at look no further than you know, Pierre DeBoer getting hired by Vegas right after he got right. fired from San Jose. It's like they're division rivals. And unless you're yeah. trying to get the state secrets from San Jose, which I don't know why you'd be worried about that because that team's in – uh, a basement dweller. It's like, why hire that coach at that point in time? It's just an old boys club. Claude Julian as another example, right? I'm thinking back to the Atlantic Division, Montreal and Boston. So, yeah. That one was less Good surprising for, for me because the Canadians like, have an infatuation with French-speaking coaches. And they always True. have to try to get a general manager and a coach. Yeah, almost uh, always like a duo. It has to be a dual threat. Yeah. And it's important to that market. I'm not going to get into... Like, I'm not a Montreal fan. I don't live in Quebec. I don't speak French. I know it's very important to a lot of the fans of that team. Do I think that it's necessarily should be a prerequisite for the job? No, I think you should give the job to the best candidate, regardless of whether they speak French or not. But obviously, the ownership puts a premium on that, and they have it right now uh, in uh, Dominic Ducharme and Mark Bergevin. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting to, to see if Bergy can sniff out, sniff out. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was just thinking now maybe Gerard Gallant might might fill the void there. I, I don't think Dominique Ducharme is going to last too, too long. We'll see how this season goes. I, I don't imagine Montreal will go too, too far. But Gerard Gallant, I could see filling the void there. That'd be a good add as the bench boss. Who do you think would get fired first, Bergevin or Ducharme? Ducharme. No way. Bergevin. I think, I think Bergevin is I think Bergevin is toast. To be honest, I think that like if everything goes according to plan, if they beat the Leafs in the postseason this year, then all bets are off and I'm just blowing smoke out of my ass. But if Montreal gets eliminated by Toronto in the playoffs, I think there's a good chance if the divisions go back to normal next year, you could be looking at the schedule 30 games in if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan and see yourself in sixth place in the Atlantic division. Because like, who are you going to beat? Are you going to beat Tampa? Are you going to beat Boston? Are you going to beat Florida? Florida and Tampa are both top five teams in the league, I believe, at this point. Uh, Toronto, you could make the argument, top five, top seven team. Boston, they're a perennial threat in the division. So you have those four teams up top. I think that Ottawa is a better team than Montreal right now. I think that they have a brighter future as their core continues to grow. I would not be surprised at all to see them sniffing around fourth or fifth place in the division. 
So then you have Montreal parked in sixth, and then you have Detroit and Buffalo, uh, the two basement dwellers of the division, just lurking around there. And I think that there's a really prominent chance that Montreal could find themselves in that position next year, 30 games into the season. And if you're sitting there in sixth place, then I don't see a way that Bergevin's able to keep his job. Fair enough, man. He would get gassed. Like, 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 what is he going to do? Fire Ducharme, like, into the beginning of next season? He's. I think this was his last chance of the coaching change. You don't have unlimited lives. He's not cat. Not All right, lives. let's go to the bar. Let's get to that bar. <laughs> let's go to the bar. All right, BMAC, who you got first? I'm going with a former Leaf, number 81, 37 goals in 13-14. Phil the Thrill, Phil Kessel notched his 900th NHL point the other night, and he looks the farthest thing from a hockey player. Uh, man, it's so funny, like... This guy would be probably just like the the most humorous, laid back teammate. Uh, it'd be funny to be on a fly in the wall in, in Arizona, or even even Toronto, because I've he heard some even, great stories. But he doesn't even look like a high caliber athlete. No, he doesn't even look like an athlete. <laughs> like he just looks like he just could be a like normal guy, just a normal dude. Like you know, probably work shift work at some retail outlet or something. Like good guy, like a guy's guy but doesn't look like a, a goddamn hockey player. But meanwhile, he's got 900 NHL points, and that's that's filled the thrill for you. I saw that picture, and I was just like, man, this guy has multiple Stanley Cups, 900 points in the league. He's you know been making just cake since yeah. Toronto signed him <laughs> to, ex- to that extension. Ridiculous. Like, yeah, and he, like, he just does not look like what you envision a dominant player in the NHL to be. But congratulations to Phil, an amazing career accomplishment, one of the best American players to ever lace them up. Uh, and uh, he's been so impressive to watch. Uh, we we used to be so impressed when Phil the Thrill would score 30 for yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, now, look at where we are with Matthews scoring 40 and 49 games. Looks like he could score we're 60 spoiled. plus. Like, we're spoiled right now. But, yeah, big shout out to Phil the Thrill. Good for him, career accomplishment. And certainly he's uh, going to continue to rack up the points in Arizona um, just chilling, hitting the golf course on uh, every off day, likely. I'm going to go with a former Toronto Raptor, uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, 18 points, 21 rebounds, including five off the offensive glass against the Raptors on Saturday night. A huge performance from JV. This one stung a lot more because Toronto's of Toronto's deficiency is at the five position this year. Aaron Baines hasn't worked out. Uh, we talk about... Uh, the additions of Freddie Gillespie and Ken Birch, who have come to, come in and been serviceable at the five position for this franchise, but the former Raptor last night teed off on his franchise. Nick Nurse actually had a funny anecdote in the pregame where he was talking about JV, and he said he went to go visit JV oftentimes in the offseason a couple of times in Lithuania to work him out, sort of see how his game was coming along. And I don't know if you knew this or not, Brendan, but Jonas Valanciunas is an avid fisherman. I did not know that. So, wow. he, yeah, he's a real outdoorsman. Like he said, he loved hunting, loved fishing. Uh, there's a couple of pictures. I'll retweet them on the Leafs account, at LeafsPod, so that our uh, listenership can see them. But basically, like, 
he would go fishing and just be so happy. Like Nick Nurse would just say, this guy would be elated to be reeling in a fish. And he, he, it became a running joke between the two of them. And then, you know, when Jonas reported back from Lithuania after the offseason, he said, you know what, Jonas? He's like, I want you to rebound the same way that you reel in that fish, that you reel in a <laughs> fish with the same intensity, with the same passion. He's like, I need you to dominate the glass. He's like, just picture the ball as if it was a fish and go out there and get it. Just a funny <laughs> anecdote from Nick Nurse. Oh, man. Form, the former Toronto Raptor. Hey, yeah, he looks great in Memphis. Good for him. He's making the most of his opportunity. He certainly is. And you know that classic meme where the guy is walking with the girl and looks back over the shoulder? It was Aaron Baines with his current girl and Jonas Valanciunas walking off, just yeah. happy as a lark. So do, good do for JB, I, mean, I, I made that meme last night. I thought it was very clever. It, didn't it was really get, very, very clever. It That's, didn't really uh, get too much uh, traction, though. Another disappointing idea that I thought was very funny, but didn't get No, you're all over variety. Twitter, man. You're all over Twitter. It's good. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I know. My girlfriend is well aware of that. She's like, she's like, where are you doing? I'm like, nothing. Just like try to hide nothing. my phone. <laughs> just, just buzzing around on Twitter. Just making stuff. Yeah. Anyways, Brendan, uh, happy Mother's Day. You're spending some time uh, with the family this weekend? I am indeed, man. I wanted to briefly touch on your, your updated Twitter profile pic. I don't know. I was thinking, like, you look like a 2007 lead guitarist for a boy band or maybe Grima from Lord of the Rings. I can't really decide. But oh, that just... don't, don't say that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, glad you know, I'm glad you know what Grima is. Not many people do. Hey, Grima speaking of uh, the, the title clinch, the last time the Leafs uh, clinched uh, division title 99-2000, Lord of the Rings trilogy hasn't, like, the... The theatrical trilogy hadn't even been released yet. I think they were mid yeah, those were like Yeah, those were it was like 01 uh, like to 04. Yeah. I and, believe like uh, Return of the King came out in 2004. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. One of the, one of the best trilogies. Uh, <laughs> when I had the, that hairdo cooking in that profile picture, uh, everybody on my team used to call me a caveman. Maybe like you look like an absolute caveman out there, but that was kind of my role. We've talked about before. Yeah, third line center, just go out there and bang bodies. So you're trying to look uh, as intimidating as you can. I don't know if that was intimidating or it just looked like I couldn't find. I lost my way trying to find the local barber, but I used to have an Gosh. absolute mop on my. Yeah, head. sorry, Green is a little excessive. Like I mean, obviously, like appearance wise, you didn't look like him, but maybe just the hair kind of led me to that decision. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, listen, I'll take it. It is what it is. I thought it's just uh, it's a very funny picture from my past. Hockey Troll said. Uh, it's a great photo. The, yeah, one of the noted uh, accounts on the Hockey Podcast Network actually hopes, hosts the Caps Chirp Podcast, uh, commented on it and said, that could have killed someone. To <laughs> <laughs> knock uh, somebody uh, down. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah, we, we have a good time here. All right, buddy. Let's wrap it up. We've got Mother's Day obligations to do today. Thank you for listening to the Roman Polak. Was it episode 40? Roman Gladiator edition. Yeah, Roman Polak, episode 46 of Not Another Leafs podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNet. And we'll catch you next time.